Welcome to the Stockdale UCC podcast. We hope that you are encouraged and find deeper purpose and meaning in your walk with Christ. If you would like more information about Stockdale United Christian Church, please visit us at stockdaleucc.org. So we're getting ready to get First Corinthians. I'd say Corinthians. I didn't say First Corinthians. I, I think so. First Corinthians, chapter fifteen. I'm going to start at verse three. This is a um, a really interesting place in the Bible because um, when you read the books, uh, particularly the New Testament. Okay, I'm going to just say you got the Old Testament, New Testament, New Testament. Um, is, is really kind of where you're going to find the stories of Jesus, okay? That's where Jesus comes into the pictures in the New Testament. Well, a large part of the New Testament, once you get out of the four Gospels and the book of Acts, which are the, the stories about Jesus and the apostles and it just kind of uh, historical books, once you get outside of that, what you're reading is letters, uh, that's, that's what they were. They were letters. Uh, a lot of them, this guy named Paul, he would write letters because, man, when they wanted to go somewhere, it wasn't like us just hopping in the car and, and driving somewhere and, you know, two or three hours were there. When they wanted to go somewhere, you know, if, if you wanted to go maybe uh, somewhere that was a thousand miles away, that was three or four month journey. So it, it was kind of a big deal to, to go to a lot of these places. So what Paul was doing is he was writing letters to these churches because he couldn't go visit them. So what we're reading here, when we read the book of Corinthians, we're actually reading Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. Okay? So he's writing this letter. We get here and we're going to be in chapter 15. And we're, we're going to read him telling them about Jesus in a pretty interesting way. Okay? He's trying to uh, share with them. The things that he had received, and I want to jump in here, verse 3, it says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Jesus died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, which Cephas is Peter, okay? He was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, that's the other disciples, after that, he was seen of above 500 brethren. That's 500, more than 500 people at one time, right? That he was seen by. And, and Paul also says, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are falling asleep. So we realize here really quickly that when Paul is writing this, he's telling about the people who have seen Jesus. And he talks about there was one incident where over 500 people had seen him at one time. And at the time of Paul's writing this letter to the church in Corinth, most of the people who were there in that group of 500 were still alive. So this wasn't uh, third-hand knowledge or fourth-hand knowledge. These were first-hand accounts that Paul was basing what, what he was telling them on. I, I knew these people. I've heard these stories. I've met these people. So I, 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 I've heard it from their own mouth that they seen Jesus alive after his crucifixion. So over 500 people seen him. And then he goes on to say, but some are fallen, so most were alive, but some have died. And after that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. Basically, all, he, all of them see him again. And last of all, he was seen of me as one born out of due time. Now this story, if you don't know about Paul, Paul didn't come to Jesus the way the other apostles did. It was, it was a little different. How was it different? Well, 
the other guys, Jesus was here on the earth, and, and they, they were maybe out fishing, and Jesus said, hey, come follow me, and, and they would follow him. And this guy, he was over here doing his tax thing, and he's like, hey, come follow me, and they followed him. Paul, that wasn't that guy. Paul didn't start following Christ until after Jesus had died, okay? Paul, and, and, and we actually will we'll read this here in just a second, but I'll, I'm going to spoil it for you. Paul's job before, or the thing that he was doing before he became a Christian, was persecuting the church. That was his job. That's what they had sent him out to do. I, I, I really I, I want to make that point, and I want to bring that out, because there are a lot of people who think that maybe something they've done was so bad that it disqualifies them from finding Christ, from being a Christian, that, man, if you just knew how bad I was, if you just knew the things that I had done. You know, we read in the Scriptures about Paul, and we find that the first martyr of the church, his name was Stephen, and they'd actually taken Stephen, uh, because Stephen had preached, and he was teaching the Word of God. They take Stephen out of town. They, they get mad at him, they stone him to death, and it says that they had, they had taken their coats and they laid him at the feet of this young man named Saul. Saul, whose name was later changed to Paul. Amen. He was the guy responsible for purchase. He was, he was an enemy of the church. But then one day, while he was on the road to Damascus, a light shines from heaven, and he hears a voice, and it's the voice of Jesus. And he says, Paul, Paul, or Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he's like, well, who is this? I'm Jesus, the one that you're persecuting. So when Paul says that, that he's seen Jesus also, but like one born out of due season, that's what he means. I didn't get called the way everybody else did. I didn't come to Jesus the same way everybody else does. And I want you to know this morning that you don't have to come to Jesus the same way everybody else does. There are a lot of people who, who've gotten saved this way, gotten saved that way. They were this age, they were this age. There, there's no real criteria that, that qualifies you to be a Christian. You don't have to be, well, hey, if, if you're good looking like the preacher up there this morning, you can be a Christian. What was, why did you guys laugh? I don't understand what's so funny about that. But it, it, there, there's no, well, when you, if you're young, you can be saved. Or if you're old enough, you can be saved. Or if you've got enough money. Or if you have enough talent. Or if you're able... Th th there's no criteria that really says, here's what you have to be to get saved. Or here's who you have to be. Or here's what you have to do. Or here's, here's the things that, that, that... The kind of lifestyle you have to live. There's nothing that says that you have to be these things to be a Christian. In fact, it's just the opposite. It, it is literally an open door. Anybody... Paul, the guy who was persecuting the church, he was going on the road to Damascus. He had letters that he was carrying that gave him authority to take the Christians that he found to bind them up and bring them back to Jerusalem for trials. And on that road, he met Jesus. It wasn't the place he expected to meet Jesus. It wasn't the place he was looking to meet Jesus, but it was the place that Jesus found him. This morning I want to point out that, that maybe, maybe you're here and you're confused about the criteria to be a Christian. Well, there is none. 
Maybe you're confused about the place in your life you need to be. Uh, is there a particular... No, it's just wherever He finds you. Wherever He calls you. Listen, what you need to know is that what Paul was telling the church in Corinth was the same thing that had been told him. The same thing that he had heard. That he had heard from these people. You know, Jesus is alive. Yeah. If you're a believer here this morning, you ought to be excited about the fact that Jesus is alive. He's alive. He rose from the grave. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, uh, the first thing I want to tell you is that he died for our sins according to the scriptures. According to all the prophecies and things that had been thousands and thousands of years of foreshadowing about this Christ who was to come. The way that he was to come and all these prophecies that were fulfilled in him. Christ died according to the scriptures, but he also rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. And then, when he was risen, he was seen by a lot of people. You know, uh, the, the problem is, is that if Jesus is alive, if Jesus is alive, then that kind of puts us on the spot. Yeah, it does. What do you mean, preacher, that puts us on the spot? Well, it, it's like this. If Jesus is alive, and he is who he says he was, he did, he fulfilled the scriptures like he said he would do, then the other things that he said must have been true. It also means that you and I have a choice to make what we're going to do about this whole Jesus thing. If Jesus is alive this morning, then there's a question in our life that has to be answered. What are we going to do with this information that Jesus is alive? What does that mean for us? If Jesus is alive then how does that change your life? How does that change who you are or what you're doing? We can't ignore the fact, if Jesus is alive, we can't ignore that. That someone was dead is alive again, and this someone who was dead and was alive again claims that He is the way for you to get to heaven. There's a scripture where Jesus describes Himself as the door. And he says this, he said, anyone who would come up any other way is like a thief and a robber. If you try to get in another way, you can't get in. He is the door. He is the way. God made a way. He also said in the scripture, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. He's, he's the way. If you want to get to heaven, your path is going to take you through him. When I, was, when I was writing my notes here, there were a couple things that, as, as I'm thinking and, and praying, I'm like, Lord, what is it? Because I'll, I'll be honest with you, when I, when I get up and preach, I don't just want to get up and talk. I, I really, and I know this may sound weird, I want to hear from God. I want Him to direct what it is that I'm going to say. So, 
over the course of this past week, I spend time praying and just thinking and reading the Bible, looking for direction. And, and as I'm doing this, as I'm studying, as I'm praying, I'm like, Lord, what is it? What are the things that, that if someone comes here this Easter Sunday who has never heard the gospel message before, who has maybe never stepped foot in a church door. I believe most of you have heard about Jesus. But, but I was thinking as I'm praying, Lord, but what if someone comes in who has never heard of Jesus? What is it that they need to know? Listen, you need to know that Jesus was the Son of God. That when the world was formed, he was there. We have the story, the Christmas story of Jesus being born in a manger, but when we read the book of John, you read the first part of the book of John, it takes a different take on that story. And it says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay? Like, what does the Word have to do? Well, he goes on and he says a few things about that, and there was nothing that was created that wasn't created by him and all this stuff. But then he says, and the Word was made flesh... And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as the only begotten Son of God. If you know nothing else, you need to know that Jesus is the begotten Son of God, the Word of God, who was there in the beginning. When the worlds were formed, when creation was happening, we read the the stories of how God created, and we find that he spoke the universe into existence. And it was the very Word of God that was there present with Him at the foundation of the universe that He sent to become flesh and dwell among us and to be the sacrifice for us. You need to know that Jesus is the Son of God, the perfect sacrifice for our sins. You need to know that Jesus is alive, obviously. That's what we're talking about, right? And that He died for our sins. When he went on the cross, it was to pay the price for our sins, the penalty. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. This is God's law, right? Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. They spent uh, The whole Old Testament is full uh, of men going in and sacrificing these animals as a covering, as a sin offering. But Jesus came to replace all those offerings, to become the perfect lamb. You know how we talk about the Lamb of God? That's why we call Him the Lamb of God. He's the perfect Lamb of God that came to take away the sins of the world, one sacrifice for all eternity. And the one who was slain for our sins rose from the grave and is alive now. Because He really was who He said He was. Okay? Everybody following me up to this point? This is things that you need to know. When you you walk out these doors today, you need to know these. You need to know that everyone in this room needs a Savior. I'm not getting to heaven because of my goodness. Because I'm not. There are some days, I'll be honest with you, I'm just about ashamed to stand up here and preach. Because I know how often I fall short. And you're like, oh, you're a preacher. 
what are you talking about? No, I'm a, I'm a human being. I, I work a job. I'm an IT guy. Yeah. And I get frustrated sometimes because people come and ask stupid questions. Gosh. Well, I do. And, and, and I, every once in a while, I lose my temper. Although my temper is not horrible. But every once in a while, I lose it a little bit. Sometimes I say th mean things to people. Not bad things, but mean things to people I really don't mean. Sometimes when I ought to be doing something good, when there's something good that I know I ought to do, I don't. I was just talking a few weeks ago about how I went to lunch and, and I was sitting in my car eating lunch and, and, and there was a, a person who I, I, I knew I needed to talk to. He was a, a Christian friend who I knew was struggling with some stuff. And, and literally he walks by my car. I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm at the park eating my lunch. He walks by my car, he's out walking. And I'm like, man, I need to talk to him. I'm sitting there and I ate my lunch. I didn't talk to him. Because that's the kind of guy I am sometimes. I need a savior. You get my point here, right? It's not like this if you're following me. I'm not going to get there by my goodness or my righteousness. There isn't a person in this room who is going to make it to heaven and is going to make it there because they're good. You're not good enough. Period. I'm telling you. And there are so many people who, who are so confused and they think that, well, I'm a good man. I'm a good woman. I've lived a good life. I've done the right things. No. You may have done what you think is right, but it's not right enough. God, God's perfect. And perfection is what he demands. You're not perfect. But Jesus is. And the, perfect, the, the blood of the perfect Son of God can cleanse you of your unrighteousness. That's the deal. There isn't a person here that's going to go to heaven that's going to go on their own. Everybody here needs a Savior. Listen to this. This is the big one. You are the exact kind of person He came to save. When you walk out those doors today, you absolutely need to know that you are the exact person that He came to save. It wasn't, it wasn't, well, I'm only, I'm only taking uh, uh, people who are 18 years old to heaven. I'm only taking people who've always made the right choices in their life. I'm only making pe taking people who, who, who make uh, $50,000 a year. I'm only taking people who uh, uh, go to the right church. I'm only taking people who are in the right uh, soccer club. I don't know. I just say what pops in my head. But I'm only taking those people. No, you're exactly the kind of person that he wants to save. Exactly. I, I, I want to, I'm going to blow your mind here. I'm going to use my favorite scripture to do it. Okay, are you ready for your mind to be blown? I need to, I need to start passing out duct tape sometimes. So you can duct tape your head up before I blow your mind so it doesn't go everywhere. <laughs> I'm goofy. I'm a little goofy. So listen to this. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. Now, I want you to catch this. For when we were yet without strength, in other words, we couldn't do it ourselves. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. 
Did you catch that? Do you hear who Jesus died for? It didn't mince any wards. There, there isn't even two wards. There's one ward. And it's Christ died for the ungodly. Okay. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to, got, to die. Listen to verse 8 here, though. But God commendeth his love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm going to wrap up here in just a few moments, but I want to say this. If, if you hear me preach for any length of time, you will hear me use this scripture and you will hear me say these very things because I believe that they are so powerful. Jesus didn't die to save the best version of you. Let me let that sink in for a second. Jesus didn't die to save the best version of you. On my very worst day, the most ungodly and sinful that I've ever been. That's who Jesus died to save. He didn't die to save preacher Aaron. He died to save sinner Aaron. Lost Aaron. The person who was ungodly. Who didn't know him. That's who he died to save. It's, it's, a pretty, I mean, it's pretty simple. Really when you think about it. But that's the truth. When you leave here today, you need to know that Jesus died to save the very worst version of you. That's His love. See, I have a problem. Sometimes I love people based on their potential. Sometimes I love people based on uh, what I get out of the relationship that I have with them. It's the truth. You know, we, we have dear friends, people who are really close to us, and, and there's this reciprocation that we get back in that relationship. You know, hey, we're good friends with them, they're good friends with us. When we're in need, they help. When, when they're in need, we help. I mean, it's just that kind of friendship. We, we give, we take, but there, there's a reciprocation of that. And, and sometimes, if you're like me, you find that, that the people who you love in your life are the people who are reciprocating that love, who, who you're getting something back from. But his love is different. While you were his enemy... While you were as sinful as you could be, instead of reciprocating his love, you were doing the exact opposite of that. You were taking his love and throwing it back in his face. Say, I don't need that. And when you were doing that, he loved you. He loved you. He loves you. If Jesus really did die and raise from the, the dead, and gosh, I mean, there were a lot of people who saw him. This, this isn't, you know, my, my, the point of my sermon wasn't 
to go down the road of apologetics and, and, and prove Jesus' existence. But if, if, you, if you really want, we can, we can sit down sometime and we can talk about that. But the fact of the matter is, is when Paul was writing this in Corinthians, it wasn't something that he was writing from the standpoint, well, I heard this, and, and this may have happened, this seems to be the way. But he, he's telling us a story about these people who saw Jesus, who he actually met, he talked to. And it wasn't just 12 guys who, who come up with this grand plan to start this new religion. But no, it was, there, were, there was a group of 500 people, over, over 500 people. Who saw Jesus at one time. And most of these people were still alive. And Paul had, had talked to him. He knew. And he's writing this letter to the church. Just tell him, hey, I, I want to make sure that you know this. Because here was the problem. There were people in the church who were teaching that there was no resurrection. That it wasn't true. That there was no resurrection. That nobody was raised from the dead. And Paul, he goes on to say, listen, if Christ isn't resurrected, then your faith is in vain. Because if Christ is, if there's no resurrection from the dead, that means Christ isn't resurrected. If Christ isn't resurrected, then he probably wasn't who he said he was. Your faith's in vain. But the fact is, is Jesus did rise from the grave. According to the scripture. And if that's the truth, I, I'm telling you, it really, it really brings us to the place that there's a question that we have for us. What are we going to do about that? What, what are we going to do about that? You know? It puts us on the spot, doesn't it? Because if he is who he said he was and he rose from the grave and he says that he is the way to heaven, what are we going to do with that? Thank you for listening to the Stockdale UCC podcast. We hope this has been a blessing to you and that you will share this with your family and friends. For more information about Stockdale United Christian Church, please visit us at stockdaleucc.org and be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Stockdale underscore UCC.